Recorded live. Hey, welcome to the Wednesday night call. Today is September the 27th. Almost, almost said the 26th, but... Uh, Third. 27th. 22nd. I'm sorry? 14th. Go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, is this you, Dave? Okay. Right. Does somebody unmute themselves? Anyhow, um, okay. Uh, welcome, er- everybody, and glad to see you here. Uh, I want to start off with a couple emails. I got one in front of me that I'm not going to mention their names or anything like that, but uh, some of these e- emails are good for other people to hear, and then we can answer it here on, on the call. There is a grand jury being held this Wednesday. They have been trying for years to indict me. Although the first case has passed that I spoke to you about a couple years ago, they have started another. How do I get in on the lawsuit and get any information on 861? And I wanted to bring that up because... um, I'm hoping he meant to say 83. But what do you think would be the best way to approach this matter? I appreciate your help if you could provide. And um, and I, I, I got to call a guy tomorrow because I got to admit, I didn't realize uh, it was this Wednesday that they were holding a grand jury, and that was, uh, a week ago, right after, um, well, it was, it was just before the hurricane, so um, it got lost, and it was, and I found it again, and so I want to, uh, I will follow up personally with that call, but, um, and then there's another one, so let's pin that one, and then there was another one talking about. Uh, would really appreciate a call. Let's see. Um, I have investigated some of what you said, and I have questions. I'm ordering the book today. Blah blah blah. I call a pro. Uh, they call it a due process hearing. Okay, that that one. Uh, I'm sorry, folks. I I should have. Uh, I should have. That's not the one I wanted to bring up. So we'll just go on the first one due to lack of time. And uh, and Dave, how would you, you know, the answer to the A61, uh, why is it not the A61 argument? I'm, uh, he is talking about 861. That's very specific. He didn't make a mistake. He's not talking about Section 83. And uh, what's important to understand about that argument, and I can't stress this enough, is that you don't mention it. You never mention 861. Here's the reason. WeVGov.com slash. You know how I'm giving you something free? I didn't say send me 50 bucks and I'll give you the answer. WeVGov.com, and I'm just now downloading it onto the web, WeVGov.com slash 861.pdf. 
wevgov.com slash, uh, what did I say, 861.pdf. And uh, this is probably already on the web. I'm checking. Hang on just a second. Um, no, it is not. And here I'm um, wevgov.com slash summons.pdf. And there you have those between those two documents about Section 861 argument. <clears throat> wevgov.com slash summons.pdf, all lowercase, no spaces. And the other one was, uh, what the heck was the other one? 861.pdf. 861.pdf, very good. In summons.pdf, that's a 1992 memorandum written by a chief judge of U.S. District Court. I think it's North Carolina, 1992, Chief Judge Voorhees. And one of the arguments made is the Section 861 argument. And look at what he does to it in that memorandum. Then you look at um, uh, the uh, 861.pdf, and you'll see I've taken that argument the way he made it, and I added to it. I added footnote three, which is all of Lowell B. Craft's work on the non-resident alien argument and all the uh, uh, the annotations on it, and Issue C of the memorandum I wrote about statutory interpretation, how it's always been an argument born of spending a moment in the statute in a lifetime in the regulations, when if in fact they slowed down and read it the way it reads, it expressly includes in gross income the compensation of a non-resident alien individual. So look at look at what the judge does to it first in summons.pdf, and then look what I did to it when I added to the judge's argument in my uh, memorandum 861.pdf. Thanks for asking. Okay. Well, keep going, Dave, and take it away. I don't have anything else to bring up. And um, what's on your mind this evening? Nothing a gentleman could put into words. My name is David Merlin. This is the American Liberties Call for uh, September 27th, 2017. Nothing you'll hear me say is intended as legal advice. Anything sounds like that to you, just consider it something somebody else might do on a planet far, far away where the law matters. It doesn't matter here. I prove it on a daily basis. Believe it. Wevgov.com slash 03.zip freebie. The course on how to write and file citizens' criminal complaint wevgov.com slash 03.zip. Enjoy, and most of all, write your own citizen's criminal complaint against public servants and file them when necessary and when warranted. So, 7203.zip will get you a zip folder of PDF copies of documents filed by a federal public defender in 1999 in a willful failure to file case, wevgov.com slash 7203.zip. Enjoy that. And the government's definition of innocence, 
wevgov.com slash backtrialbrief.pdf, B-A-C-K, back, backtrialbrief.pdf. That's the government's trial brief in 2014, uh, which includes the government's definition, the government's own definition of innocence, uh, must read for everybody. And that's an order. So today I had a uh, 40-minute long conversation off the record, no recordings, with a public defender out of the Federal Defender's Office in a particular Federal Defender's Office here in the United States about a particular client that's come into their office with an indictment for... uh, let's see, uh, corruptly endeavoring to impede the due administration of internal revenue laws, tax code section, of course, 7212, 7206, filing fraudulent tax documents. Uh, What the heck else was in his indictment? A total of seven counts. Uh, Spare me for just a second here. I'm going to try to get that document in front of me. Open this, open that. Don't give me any brief. Here we go. Um, Scrolling, I have the caption of the indictment. What did you give me? Oh, my computer let me down. Give me a blank document? Give me a break? Man, you run into it, you run into it, and you run into it. It's amazing. I'm just trying to find a document. And something brand new pops up. We can't do that for me. You can't get there from here. Who the heck was I just talking about? Okay. I got his name in my mind. I find his file the other way instead of the way the millennials should have set up for me to locate his file. Here's his indictment. Okay. Looking at the second page. He shall rename, uh, remain nameless, and I shall not read you his indictment number, but conspiracy to defraud the United States, 18 U.S.C. 371. Tax code section 7201, tax evasion. 7206, number one, filing fraudulent documents. 7206, number two, preparing fraudulent documents for others. And then there's another indictment. Two indictments filed on the same day with U.S. District Court. I've never seen that before. For 7201 evasion, 7206 number one, filing fraudulent documents, and 7212A, corruptly endeavoring to impede the due administration. I was on uh, the phone with the public defender who received this uh, client and uh, I couldn't interest him in the exact arguments, number one and two. I'm only naming a regulation if I'm a citizen of the United States. And number two, uh, what's number two? Uh, all property is a cost, Section 83. He wasn't interested in those. And so, uh, <clears throat> you know, on these calls, all of you have detected it. Some of you may have been slapped in the face by it. I am short with people. I don't 
deal with stupidity very well when challenged with stupidity. It's one thing to ask me a question out of ignorance. Great, I'm here to teach. Look at all the free, great stuff I give you. Glad to do it. But when challenged with ignorance, I'm a Pete Hendrickson fan. You spoke badly of Pete Hendrickson. I'm going to, I'm going to, so help me. I'm going to, and they don't have anything for you, but they keep entering the chat and, and blogging about your profanity and stuff. You know that I'm short with people. However, here I am with somebody else's concerns on the line, the man that's facing the indictment. And I, I skip back over all that I've had to deal with, all the crap that the government throws at you by the wheelbarrow full, and these anti-tax movement know-it-alls. Back to the day when I was actually paid to be a diplomat, a bartender. Everybody's fine. Let's have a good time. Have you heard this joke type of guy? And I entertained the public defender who had two other people in conference on the other end listening. Nobody taped anything by agreement and promise. And in 40 minutes, I couldn't interest him in the two statutory arguments. I'm only named in a regulation and all property is a cost. And if you haven't heard those, just listen back to the archive calls here. You'll hear them over and over and over again. WeVGov.com. Read the whole website. It's nothing. Take in the whole website. There's so much there you wouldn't believe it, and it's so condensed you won't even get a headache until afterward. It's so quick. So I couldn't get to the arguments, and so back to diplomacy, I took it easy on the guy and instead said, there's a structure to what I do that you'll see come out of the uh, the pleadings, the documents that I put all in one file, and here's the address for them, and they can download all those documents at once after listening to me explain not in detail what's in the folder that I zipped for them, but overall you'll see these two arguments come to the top over and over again, and the government can't come to bat, and I don't expect a decision in favor of those arguments because the people never admit that they've been stealing. But when they fail in the way you'll see them do on the Ninth Circuit and on the Eleventh Circuit, you'll know that the traverse of void for vagueness, the tax isn't imposed by clear language, the tax is void or highly debatable, or a vague or highly debatable, you know that those come to the top. So skip out of the two first statutory arguments into the traverses after the government fails, and you make that argument. So the most I could tell him was the structure, and he'll have to read the statutory claims himself. Nice enough guy, plenty experienced, I could tell. And one of the first things he tried to impress me with was I've represented people in tax uh, criminal cases before, and so I know what I'm talking about. Okay, great. So do I. Everything I do is within the box, uh, you know, five for six against the state attorney general of Oregon. And uh, so everything I do is fully supported. Just watch. And any questions in the future, please contact me. <clears throat> so it was a very nice conversation we had. Uh, three other people on the other end, 
and me on this end, no client on the line. So it was all just lawyerly. And I impressed him with staying inside the box. And uh, I said, you know, contact the client. Uh, Jacob Osborne, I think is his name. I'm just kidding. And I said, contact him and tell him not to contact me so that I remain at your disposal as a witness if you need me. He says, great. We're on the same page. And because uh, I told him, you know, everybody should have an attorney, especially in a criminal case because of the treachery. So, yeah, what you do is final. And uh, if you don't want him talking to me, that's the way it goes. Because when you get to court, you got to be on the same page as your client, period, every time, because it's their bacon on the line. So everything was great. And uh, um, so the uh, the traverse, you know, if it's made as a frontline argument, it's weaker than it's than when it's made as a traverse. You go in with your strong arguments. All property is a cost. When they say I received gross income, they deprive me of Section 83. And what's even worse is if you hadn't written a regulation, you couldn't even talk to me about the tax code. What were you thinking? Those are the two primary arguments. When they can't answer to very specific statutory arguments such as those, then you raise the others. But I can tell that in this man's mind, willfulness or a lack of criminal intent or both were the primary arguments for him, and he probably could not be persuaded to make the statutory arguments first. But being a chess master as I am, and I say chess master, from fourth grade through high school, all I did was eat, breathe, and sleep chess when I wasn't playing basketball or triple jumping. <laughs> so uh, there's plenty of people that would say I'm a chess master. I beat a lot of people. <laughs> and then I got into tax law, you know, and it's, you know, I, I can make you a great argument. When I see the tools, I'm a, I can write great memorandums. So anyway... Uh, I don't think he can be persuaded to make statutory arguments. But he's got the exchange of briefs on the 11th Circuit, the exchange of briefs on the 9th Circuits, and he knows they're both waiting for a decision, and so he's tuned into them. And I told him if uh, uh, I, there's a certain public defender in your office I met with in 1999, and I dropped his name, and they said, oh, yeah, we know him. I said, okay, great, ask him, and he'll tell you about a tax evasion case in 1999 where he saw the government run from these issues. These are nothing new. You see how I brought a track record right up to present day to equip a public defender today with a, uh, what is that, like 24 years old? No, 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 uh, uh, 14, 17, 18, 19 years old. A tax evasion case out of that area that he could look to and uh, talk to that public defender. He knows him. So uh, I've kept track of all these people. I have the docket numbers. I told him, here's the name of that litigant. He can go right down the hallway and talk to this public defender about yeah, what about 1999? And, and that public defender can say, yeah, it was, it was statutory arguments. 
and the government couldn't answer them. And then they'll read the current briefs saying, well, these are going to be in the Supreme Court soon. He has my YouTube channel, so he can listen to Lowell Beecraft, uh, tell everybody in his audience, go read my website. I'm a diligent student of the law. Just a ton of stuff for this guy to rely upon. We'll see what kind of defense he can muster, but I can't interfere. And uh, he told me today he might be able to use me as a witness, so now I'm totally bound to not interfere whatsoever and not contact anybody else involved in the case ever until way afterward. Totally, dude. So um, anyway, that happened today. Uh, didn't happen last week. Didn't happen a month ago so I could figure out what to say about it because, gosh, you know, I didn't do well against the public defender. I'm a patriot movement moron. I'm the leader of this organization or that organization. No, it happened just a couple hours ago, and you heard all about it. I got nothing to hide. I've been through all of this a bunch of times. It's no big deal. Get me on the phone, please. God, I get. I just gave this attorney everything he could dream of, free Microsoft Word. Didn't even ask for it. So uh, he got briefings that I just wrote on these appeals, Ninth and Eleventh Circuits, in Microsoft Word. He got the government's replies. He got the rebuttal from Chris and the other litigant on the Ninth and Eleventh Circuits. He knows everything. So anyway, that was fun. Uh, out of the norm to actually get an, a an actual attorney on the other end. <laughs> And get a chance to convince them, you know, everything I do is in the box. Supreme Court cases, federal appellate cases, everywhere, everywhere, briefing on par with the DOJ's finest tax attorneys. So there's nothing he can deny about it. I got the government's answers already. Uh, what are you going to deny? If, you're, if your answer is different than the government uh, answers, then I guess... Uh, you got a pretty good argument for void for vagueness when a trained public defender has a different answer than the trained prosecutors about the same statute, and the court can't deny either one of them. <laughs> anyway, details, details. So, uh, kind of a nice opportunity. You can tell it has me jazz. So, um, one thing nice about his indictment, just that Section 8, uh, 371, conspiracy against the United States. That's the only one that was outside of the tax court. But that charge is built on the correctness of the tax charges. The tax charges have to be correct for the conspiracy charge to have foundation. Now, um, I want to touch upon a very particular note here that is of primary importance. Uh, let's see, is it this document? Uh, subject matter jurisdiction is when the matter, the concern, the allegation, the controversy is before the correct court does the court have subject matter jurisdiction? The subject matter is a violation of federal law. 
and it's before a U.S. District Court. There's a statute that says that's when U.S. District Court has jurisdiction. I'll have that here in just a second. Hang on. Oh, I gotta have that one. Okay. Um, the U.S. District Court has jurisdiction of or over offenses of laws of the United States. Don't forget that. Offenses. So if something is not an offense, the court has no subject matter jurisdiction. Right now, and this is this is homework, you place your forefinger between your lips and say B-I-B-I-B-I as you move your finger up and down. B-I-B-I-B-I-B-I-B-I-B-I-B-I-B-I-B-I-B-I-B-I-B-I-B-I-B-I-B-I-B-I-B-I-B-I-B-I-B-I-B-I-B-I-B-I-B-I-B-I-
10 years in prison max. But it's an attempted kidnapping, which makes it uh, makes them eligible for the death penalty under 18 U.S.C. 241, clause number three, because it's an attempted kidnapping in a criminal case. So you prove a lack of subject matter jurisdiction by proving innocence, which could be, uh, could be testimony from witnesses saying this person doesn't believe they have a duty. How come you indicted them? They don't believe they have a duty because we know that is the definition of innocence. WeVGov.com slash backtrialbrief.pdf, all lowercase, no spaces. WeVGov.com slash backtrialbrief, B-A-C-K, backtrialbrief.com, or uh, PDF, excuse me. And that is the government's trial memorandum from 2014 with the definition of innocence in it. And so you prove innocence by saying, I don't believe I have a duty. And for the years in controversy, what is it, 2010 for the indictment, 2009, 2011, I don't believe I violated the law. There, now you know I'm innocent, and so I expect you to dismiss the indictment. And if you don't, you're in a conspiracy to deprive me of my liberty by kidnapping me because you know I'm innocent. You could get the death penalty for that. See how I just turned what tragically has become close to the typical tax prosecution into a death penalty case against the prosecutor that brought it. They have jurisdiction over offenses. Prove that there's no offense by proving actual innocence. That's what I would do. A reminder, none of this is legal advice. But this is what I tried to tell the uh, public defender on the phone today, that here's what I'm trying to create out of the person who may face uh, or actually is facing criminal charges in the U.S. District Court. Is that first things first, go on record with exactly what you believe. If you don't believe you have a duty, go on record. It's the definition of innocence. Why would you wait till later to meet the definition of innocence? Like Commander Spock said in Star Trek, are you stupid or something? I don't know if he said that, but think about it. <laughs> and, uh, and here you have a great example where, you know, really everybody, they're perplexed by the tax code. No one really believes they have a duty. They just really believe that if they don't do what the IRS says, they'll get in trouble. So, really, uh, that's an innocent person, too. So there's a great argument to be made for this guy, but I couldn't get into the specifics of the statutory arguments for the public defenders on the phone today. And he'll not, the client will not be calling me in the future. He has attorneys, but now they have all the briefings that I've got, and they're up to speed, at least aware of the current cases that I have. And... They can look at how poorly the government um, performed on the 9th and 11th circuits. So here we go. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, this case, I think on this public defender's answering machine this morning when I gave a return phone call, 
because they didn't call me when scheduled. Um, I think it said he's about to go on vacation for like three months. And when you're the defendant, time is your friend. Unless you got him from soup to nuts, then I would rush to trial. But uh, the continuance into January for this guy is probably amenable, even desirable. And um, <clears throat> that gives that public defender all the time in the world to wonder where he's been and how he missed Section 83, uh, number one. Uh, but it also uh, gives this man time to get his affairs in order, whatever. I think he'll be released on his own recognizance. I got a text right after my phone call with counsel that the man had been arrested by the feds. So he's in a federal detention center right now. It is Wednesday. He'll probably see a judge Friday morning and be released on his own recognizance. He's known about the indictment for like a, more than a month, month and a half, and has not fled hasn't chopped anybody's arms off with a machete, so he's not a risk to the community or a flight risk. So he'll probably be released on his own recognizance, maybe with an ankle bracelet, and then he'll have to make full financial disclosure and all that good stuff that comes along with being the uh, prostrate defendant. And uh, then it's a matter of uh, keeping his attorneys informed. They got everything I got in Microsoft Word. They got access to the present cases on the 9th and 11th circuits. They see the state of the arguments, the uh, poverty of expertise suffered by the attorneys at the Department of Justice. It's fun to say that. <laughs> You've heard of morally bankrupt. It's like professionally bankrupt. Okay. I have to do that every single time just so they remember me. Because every time they come up against me, that's what they're going to get. Excuse me, forgot this statue, forgot that one. Here's this docket number, that docket number. Boy, your answer over here was sure idiotic, wasn't it? And I'm not going to let them forget every time. So anyway, uh, wonderful morning. And, uh, of course, we're still waiting on the answer from the 9th and 11th circuits for Chris and the lady on the 9th circuit. So uh, uh, we'll keep you informed just as soon as anything on those comes in, of course. And uh, twopotus.com is up again and running. So uh, you can direct your folks to that, get the complaint. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, it's going to be hard to get a joinder out of me pretty soon. I'm going to have to make a course on how to do it yourself because uh, I don't think we're going to be offering my services very much longer folks at American Liberties, I'm happy to say, and uh, be happy for me at the same time. You might regret having been unable or uh, undecided in the past as to whether or not to enlist me. But uh, soon, um, I think I'll be retiring from law. April 15th of 1988 to... April 15th of 2018, 30 years. Because I think the last case I'm going to handle is going to be done in April of next year. 30 round years. The best years of my life. 
pissed away on the thought that the American would want to know something about the law. (laughs) My bad. My mistake. I'm to blame. I, I placed my trust and faith in the wrong places. So, my bad. But 30 years and uh, I won't be involved. I promise. And, you know, past uh, these Supreme Court petitions to go in, probably by the beginning, uh, I imagine the notice of appeal on the 9th and 11th circuits will have been filed by Christmas. I think the court's going to do away with these two cases by Christmas, and then the uh, notices of appeal will go in, and so the Supreme Court will uh, receive these two petitions probably by the beginning of March of next year. And then by the end of April of next year, district court will have decided whether or not to vacate a particular conviction. And we just might win that one on suppression of evidence. But if not, even after that, I think we'll be able to find counsel to make the arguments thereafter retained to the magnitude of having Supreme Court access paid for. So. Stay tuned, two more years, and uh, uh, that's it. And that's if everybody loses and is forced to go to the Supreme Court. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see. But soon the Supreme Court will have two civil cases, Ninth and Eleventh Circuit. <clears throat> well, hey, Chris, if there's nothing from you, uh, I'm going to see you all later, and uh, thanks a lot for handling these calls, everybody. Or uh, Chris, I mean, and uh, okay, everybody. Hold yeah, hold download. We got a call. We got a question from Massachusetts. Hold on. Okay, Mass. Okay, go ahead. Massachusetts. Going once. You got to unmute yourself. Yes. Hey, what's up? It's Donaldson, the real one. And I just wanted to quickly say I got a new line, okay? <laughs> Massachusetts, what a crazy number. Uh, Dave, by the way, just so you know, you didn't just talk about the law to people that don't care. I'm one of those Americans that was ready to receive the information which you imparted to us. And I know there's others like me. I'm not the only one that's awake right now. So your 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 effort actually was was definitely purposeful and causational. Let's just put it that way. It had cause and effect, okay, sir? I just want to make that clear. Yeah, and, you know, the difference, the distinction between the two is that the difference is being made by people with the resources and resolve to take it all the way instead of the masses having interest to cause force. That's what hurts. Is that this is something mm. something everybody I hear what you're should saying. look at and go? I know what you mean. Hang on, because hang on. The bottom, it, I mean, the, oh, yeah. Just just a second. Everybody yeah. should hear in that just that one thing that I say 
either I'm in violation of Section 83 or they are. And they can't deny it. No accountant knows about it. No lawyer knows to use it in defense. It explains how to tax you, and I'm the only one in the known universe is teaching it. Right there, that shows you there's a big, big problem in the process, and we really got to get to the bottom of it. Because yeah, if, I think if that, I, that, it's a presumption. Because, yeah. because if Section 83 screwed me, you know they'd be clubbing me about the head and shoulders with it all the time. But they don't. And people can't hear that. Well, I think also they don't want to face the presumption, factor. Like, everything I've come across has always um, uh, pointed me towards presumption of law, that, that there's a huge presumption, you know, and, and, and of, of status or, or, or anything. And so I think what you found, what you discovered with Section 83 is that, um, and other, other areas as well, is that uh, that presumption is absolutely 100% statutorily rebuttable. But I proved it by presuming the opposite. I didn't know when I went into the tax code that I'd found jack squat. And so it's actually evidence. I presumed the opposite. I presumed they were lying from the start. And so I broke the mold. I didn't have that presumption, obviously, or I'd have just said, okay, pay the $4,500 they say I owe because I didn't claim my tips in 1984. But instead, here's what happened. I don't know if you know or maybe you don't appreciate the memory capabilities of a bartender. And, I mean, I was a gifted bartender. Uh, I could fly around the bar making drinks so quickly. That's right. You got the big hands. Mm -hmm. And then the IRS came to my door, Marty Webb, IRS agent, and said, in in 1984, you didn't claim your tips. There's 61A, gross income. Do you think I'd forget 61A? No. In June of 88, two months later, uh, three months, I was in a law, in a uh, library and picked up the tax code and went to the index and looked up the requirement to report tips. And it says go to section 6053. And in there it says if you receive tips in any calendar month that exceed whatever amount, tips as defined in this statute, that statute, this statute, that statute, and they never even mentioned 61A. The first place I went, I found a lie. And so from that point forward, I presumed everything they were saying was a lie, and I didn't stop until I had real answers. Excellent. And, you know, you, you did good because people like me who are coming into the fold are looking to hear something organic, you know, and, and, and being fed a, cra- a boatload of crap all right, by a bunch of would-be patriot mythologists, all right, is not my, my idea of a du jour education. So thank you very much, David, Merlin. Uh, uh, crap, that's spelled capital C-H-E-N-D-R-I-C-K-S-O-N something. Very good. Uh, good to hear from you. Always a pleasure. Okay, thank you there, uh, Donaldson. And uh, there's a written question here that says, uh, let me see, Ruby. Uh, Dave, what is the section in Title 26 that provides for the nexus with state income taxes? 
it's going to be a state law that says gross income for the purposes of state income taxes is the same as defined in the Internal Revenue Code. It won't be a federal law. And for these, you go to wevgov.com to the state income taxation page, and there will be a list of the statutes which I, to date, have found and identified that I feel make that nexus. Okay, very good. All right, let me see. I don't see any more questions. No more hands raised. Let me see if there's anything written real quick. And, oh, what was uh, back? Uh, did you say wevgov.com forward slash back trial uh, dot PDF? Back trial brief dot ah, PDF. Brief. The old brief trick. Okay. Got it. All right. All right. Well, okay, everybody. Well, with that said, thank you for everybody for coming on the call. And those, uh, okay, any word, uh, any word on the capital pun work? Um, moving forward slowly, cautiously, but um, uh, it will happen probably in the first week of October. And there's a question from um, uh, T. Darling. Um, how do you handle an attorney who breaks a contract or anyone who breaks a contract? Well, it depends on what the contract is. And it depends on what you're arguing. Are you arguing to the court for compensation because of their ineffectiveness or arguing for another uh, defender because they're ineffective? So uh, it's going to depend on the situation more than anything else. Okay. Um... All right. Well, with that said, um, let me just say, let me just put a short ad in here that October 2nd is meant to be the launch date to What's Up uh, crowdfunding, the global crowdfunding. And let me tell you, we got over 30,000 people in the matrix. I wish they were all under me, but they're not. But they all are in my matrix, you know, meaning... Uh, I'm the third level down from from the matrix, so we got a lot of pe people down there, and I would love to have everyone on, who's been attending these calls participate in it. And Don, I'm going to call you right after this. Um, as soon as we hang up, you're my first one that I'm going to get on Skype with you. So, with that being said. Uh, God bless America, and this call is officially over.